you chose poorly the biggest financial mistakes that you're probably making right now and how to fix them quickly and easily because everything that's described over the internet has to be fixed quickly and easily. Luckily, Mike Morton of Morton Financial Advice is pretty good at quick, easy fixes for things. Mike, how are you? You're going to fix all my problems? Yeah, well, oh, no. Whoa, that's a whole different episode. <laughs> that's not this podcast. <laughs> That one is titled Existential Disasters. That's right. Matt Robeson. <laughs> Matt yeah, Robeson. all right. We'll get into that another time. But you want to talk about common financial <clears throat> mistakes. So easy to fall into. But luckily, maybe the good news is not that hard to fix with a little bit of legwork. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, these ones are financial mistakes that you might be thinking. Your assumptions, misunderstandings. Let's call them financial misunderstandings that you really want to make sure that you are not falling into. So we're going to run through some of those today and clear those up for you. That sounds awesome to me because I'm lazy. I hate doing a lot more work. And this, the number one thing that I find, this happens with all kinds of experiences and all kinds of domains, is that frequently people know that they should be doing things better, but it's just too much work up front to do the stuff that would make their life easier in the long term. So they don't do it. And then this is what happens to me. And then, all right, so that that piece builds up. And then you have another piece that's like, I should probably tell the cable company to stuff it and just cut the wire. I'd save so much money, get the same stuff. Oh, boy, that sounds like a phone call. And that's no, a you got to talk to and a so human. you don't do it. You got to talk to people. Well, talking to humans is always. Right. always I, I like it when I like it when a robot tries to verify that I'm not a robot. And I'm like, actually, I want you to think that I'm a robot. Just just do things for me. Like right. interface with me on a robot level. All right. Where, where do you want to start off? We're going to go top to bottom. I actually have some notes for this one, Matt. Bottom. Didn't you do read you have, the notes ahead of the show? List? No, I don't read notes. <laughs> Like the number one right. mistake you can make when doing a show with Mike Morton is to read the notes in advance. That's, that's true, actually. That's a sure you, sign. You might not show up to do the episode. <laughs> yeah. You know how you fix that? You pull a LeBron. You ever hear when he was like, yeah, I scratched that play with the coach called. I just, here's what we're going to do. It's, yeah, I love seeing your notes. That's, yeah, we're going to scratch yeah, that. Play. All right. That so we, the number one mistake you made was I see now that you've got eight. I'm not actually reading these things. I'm just like, you've got eight. Why didn't you make it a top 10 list, man? I think it is. Ten. It's only eight. Oh, it's only eight. I don't know. It's just, that's what All right, it is. We're going to come we're up with two on the fly. So it's going to be a top 10 list. It's, it's going to be an hour and a half if we add two more things. Did you organize this? My last question for you. Did you organize this from like, is there any logic to your yes. list? You know how this was organized? A big shout out to my great friend, Meg Bartelt. And this is one of her blog posts that she put up a while ago, and I loved it. And I stole them exactly from her so that our listeners can also understand these misunderstandings. And so we'll definitely have that in the show notes. It was obviously going to be in the show notes anyway to her blog post, but it was a great blog post. So that's the order that you get. I love your answer here. It's, <laughs> oh, it's definitely organized. I can't tell you how because it's according to someone else's logic. All right. That's right. Let's just go with number one here. And maybe the listeners will get back to us. If you, listeners and viewers of this show, can divine any kind of organizational principle behind what we're about to tell you, let us know. We'd love to hear. All right. What's number one? All right. Number one is thinking that the account is the investment itself. And it's funny that I get this, but it's very basic. And people have this misunderstanding that it's, like, oh, I say, do you have some investments? They're like, yeah, I have a Roth IRA. Okay, that that's an account. Do you have some investments? It's like saying, do you have some money? Yeah, I got I got a checking account. 
okay, but is there cash in it? <laughs> Do you have some money? So the account itself, and there's a million of them, Matt, we talk about them on the show, 401ks, HSAs, IRAs, 403Bs, blah, blah, blah. They're all account types and they have certain rules and regulations and uses, but they're not the investment. So don't make the mistake of like, yes, I have a 401k. I have investments. The 401k is an account. It is not the investment. Right. It's if you went hiking and your friend is like, hey, did you bring like supplies? It's like, yeah, I brought a backpack. Okay. <laughs> right. Are there supplies in your backpack? <laughs> like water, food, oh, matches? Was I supposed to bring something? I got the backpack. Yeah. No, but I've got the backpack. It's okay, great. That's the container. All right. That You know what's weird to me about this one is this makes total sense. I have the opposite problem. I have the opposite problem. Mm. You helped me discover this where you asked me if I have an IRA and I'm like, yes, I have my funds invested in a target date fund. You're like, no, Matt. That is an investment which you intend to be for your retirement and isn't a target date fund. So it's designed in that way. Good. But that's not an IRA. I'm like, what do you mean? You're like, oh my gosh, what <laughs> is wrong with you? That's the converse problem of what you're laying. Conver out. Yeah, you might have that converse problem. If you're backwards like Matt, then you might have the converse problem. Remember, there are account types. There are accounts right. and account types. And then inside those, you might have cash, you might have investments, et cetera, et cetera. So don't mix up the two. Okay. So bottom line here is it's both. You need to do both things. You need to understand the account type you have, and then you need to put money into the account. You need to put money, that's and then you have to invest the money. So that's the other thing. Just so, you know, you can't leave it in cash sitting in there. Oh, Mike, this is great. I've got a Roth IRA, and I put money in there. Okay. Did you invest the money? Again, don't get confused. It's an account type. You need to have investments inside that account. That comes up all the time too, because you call, you listen to this show and you're like, I need to put money in index funds. I've understood one thing. I'm going to put, I'm going to call Vanguard. They're, what's his name? Bogle. He invented these things, low cost index funds. We're doing it. And the first thing they'll say to you is like, okay, we've established your brokerage account. You're like, yes. And then you put money in it and you're like, yes. And then they're like, but you realize you now need to choose where the money goes from there That's right. or it's not really invested. And you're like, what? <laughs> I know, what did you I just know. say? One more step. <laughs> All right. But it does sound like it does sound like I know I tease that there are easy fixes for this. And I was being tongue in cheek because I'm not sure that's true. But this is actually not that hard. I've gone through this myself. And once you've you've taken idiot potion to overcome being an idiot, like in the form of Mike telling you, you realize that's not an IRA. So once you figured out, here are the accounts you have and you put money in the accounts, then you really do just need to choose the investment. So it's, it's not hard. It just, it takes a few additional minutes. It's just a misunderstanding that I come across a lot. So let's clear it up. There's account types. They have funny names. And then inside those accounts, you can have cash or investments. Right. So just don't confuse right, the right. two. All right. Straightforward. All right. Makes sense. I'm still screwing it up actively right now, but it's good to know. What's your number two? Number two, I'm in an index fund. It's super safe. Whoa, hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. Index funds and safe are two different, two different concepts. All right. So index funds track an index. All right. That's what they're called index funds. So it could be S&P 500, top 500 biggest companies here in the U.S. There's other indexes, total global world stock investments, bond, total bond index. And you can invest money into an index fund. Okay. Index funds are not safe or risky. They are index funds. Okay. 
So you have to understand what it is you're investing in. Is it a emerging market index fund? Is it a total U.S. index fund? Is it a global bond fund? Or is it a U.S. treasury index? And they all have different risk profiles, all right? So just get away from, hey, Mike, I'm in index fund, so I'm totally safe. Nothing can go wrong. No, 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 no. You have to understand what they're invested in. So don't get it's, it's all a matter it. of degrees, you're saying. That's right. Risk is a matter of degrees and what your investments are in. But just don't assume, this is something I could run across. Hey, I'm in index funds, so I'm really safe. You have to understand what safe right. means, right. what it means for you and all that. But just don't think, oh, done and dusted. I got my account. I got the investments. It's in an index fund. I'm going to be totally fine. So it sounds like if you were in a, an international small cap high growth fund, it would be reasonable to say there's a higher risk profile with that. It would be like, I'm getting in the car and I'm going to drive 120 miles an hour. And then if some if your client were to say to you, hey, man, I'd like less risk. I'm going to go into an all stock fund. That would be that would be less risky. It's like getting in the car and driving 60 miles an hour. And then if it's like, hey, I'm going to be in just in T-bills. Yeah, that's a little less risky. It's like getting in the car and driving 20 miles an hour. But if you want no risk, you have to not get in the car. That means no risk. Yeah, and then you're moving backwards because inflation's coming and eating away. You're actually slowly and so reversing. You don't even anyway. realize it. <laughs> oh, hey, a here's kind of a subtle risk. one. So here's a subtle one. So the idea of I'm in cash, therefore I have no risk. That's like a sneaky bonus here, right? It's like, yep. you, well, you're actually incurring another kind of risk. Like There you go. You got a number nine, Matt. Up. You skipped Boom. ahead, but number nine, yeah. If you're just sitting Sweet. in cash, so I'm super safe. It's like, you know that car. Speaking of cars, holy smokes, have they gone up in price? I was looking at cars. It's like, when did it go from sort of twenty or thirty thousand for a pretty nice used car to sixty thousand? Oh my goodness! I, that's a phenomenal question. I don't understand the economics of the used car market. I do find that that what manufacturers in different industries tend to do is. They reach a point where there's a known product and they have to decide how can we increase profit margins, right? Like their shareholders are hungry for higher profit margins. And so what you need to do is you need to introduce new features that you can charge a premium for. And before you know it, it's like this doesn't have this will allow you to plug in your Bluetooth and it has AI integrated and the car will drive itself, except don't really do that because that's extremely dangerous. Like, right. I, and I think as those features find their way into the secondary market, that's that probably. You, you should price. be a business consultant, Matt. We're only on number two. So as a podcast all right, all right, host, all right. I'm doing it. a shit job at being a podcast <laughs> host. All right. What's number three? All right. Number three, this one, actually, I do run across a lot. I'm diversified. I'm super diversified because I have lots of different accounts and different funds. Okay, so you got, Mike, I've got a 401k and I got my IRA and I got my brokerage account. Hey, and I know what those are. Those are accounts. And inside of those, I have investments. I've got the total US market, the total world market. I've got the S&P 500 and the top 100 biggest companies in the US. So I'm totally diversified. And if you just understood the four things I mentioned, they're all big US companies. And so you have four of the exact same things right. all across different accounts. And so you think because you, when you look at it, it's true. You're like, you're diversified because you have Vanguard and you got a Fidelity and you got your local bank account and you got your brokerage and you're getting statements from everywhere and you got different accounts and investments. Unfortunately, 
all of those investments are all in the same exact thing. So you're not right, diversified. Right. This would be like if your doctor said, hey, do you eat a balanced diet? And you're like, yeah, I actually eat out in a different restaurant every day. And what are the restaurants? Like, I got Burger King. I got McDonald's. I got Wendy's. There got you go. Chipotle. It's so wait, good. Those are all fast food. You're <laughs> it's one category. <laughs> yes. But I'm diverse. They're all different. That's right. I'm driving, different. Different, I'm driving different places. I'm paying. I'm pulling up different <laughs> logos. Yeah. <laughs> like we play both kinds here, country and Western. Yeah. I'm di- diverse. It's a very diverse set we play. All right. All yeah. right. Hey, did we just hit that one in, in, in good time? Anything more Record say? time, Matt. Unbelievable. Look at you. Boom. <laughs> See, I can mix it up. I'm diverse. All right. Number four. Oh, number four. I love this. I love number four. I'm looking at the notes now. This is my first mistake. I love number four because it involves terms that I still barely understand. Wow. <laughs> That's right. The whole sentence. You can always contribute to a Roth IRA. Oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah, I contribute to my Roth IRA every year. The problem is there's limits. You're not, sometimes you are not allowed to contribute to the Roth IRA. So I run into this. Don't always just put money into an either traditional IRA or Roth IRA without knowing the rules. I told you IRAs have rules, 401ks, 403bs, all these have different kinds of rules. But you can't always just put money into a Roth IRA. There's income limits, all right? So as a single, if you make, we're in 2023, if you make more than about 138,000 as an individual, you cannot contribute directly to a Roth IRA. And if as a married couple, if on your tax forms, it says over about $220,000 of income, you cannot contribute. You can't put money directly into a Roth IRA. So don't make that mistake. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, I really do want to understand the ins and outs of Roth IRAs. I will tell you that Financial Life Planning, the Morton podcast, we have a couple of back episodes where you walk through this in a really easy to understand kind of way. So that's great. If you're wondering, what is a Roth IRA? Is that people at my synagogue I should know? then I think you should really take a step back and rethink your podcast choices. Like maybe this, I'm not trying to get rid of listeners, but it's, or you just, you're just here for the life part. That's yeah. Maybe you're here that's for the part. life part. That's okay. You'll, we talk about Roth IRAs enough. You're going to, you're going to get it on this show as well. You'll, you'll hey, figure it out. You know what I'm going to do while we're about to go to number five here, and we are going to make a top 10. This is going to, right. I'm going to add another one. You watch. We're about to go to number five, but I'm going to give you a challenge to think about during this podcast. These are top 10 financial mistakes that everyone's probably making, doesn't even realize it, easy to get out of. Mike, I want you to think about the life version of this, not the finance part. While we're talking here, I want you to think about just one, what's your number one life mistake that everyone's probably making and that you figured a way to to hack your way out of? That's your homework. Easy peasy. All right. I'll I'll tease it it for you and then we'll get into it later. I'll tease it it for you. Go. Love that. I have a way that you can get more time into your life. Oh, that's amazing. Is yep. this like create is more this time? Like a Christopher Nolan movie? Yeah. Awesome. Yes and no. All right. All right. All right. So that'll be number 10 how to get more time yeah. into your life. All right. To turn this into a real Christopher Nolan movie, we're going to need like a soundtrack where it's like, all right. Go do number five. Do number five. So the I and the reason I mentioned you can't always contribute to a Roth IRA. I've had to fix this. I've had to fix excess. They're called excess contributions. You made excess contributions you weren't allowed to, so we had to back those out. So don't always assume you can do that. So the next one is you've heard this tricky thing, Matt. Backdoor Roth IRA. Hey, I'm gonna do. Mike says, hey, 
you're lucky enough to make enough income. You can't go in the front door. You can't contribute directly to the Roth IRA. So I'm going to do a backdoor Roth IRA all by myself. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to open the accounts and put the money in and transfer the money. And then I'm going to file my taxes that showed that how I did it. And if you can do all that, you can make your own podcast. Okay. <laughs> so you could have your own podcast if you know how to do all that. Because this one I run across all the time, man. And it's not hard, but there's a lot of steps. And if you don't know how to read a tax form or enter the exact wording on certain TurboTax screens, you're going to mess it up. And I'm telling you this from experience that 50% of the backdoor Roth IRA stuff I see from my clients, from friends, from CPAs, accountants, right? Filling in the forms are still messed up. Okay. So this one is a tricky one. So be careful. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. I can tell you for a fact that I am not falling prey to this mistake for two reasons. One, I don't have a backdoor Roth. Number two, the entire topic, I believe you when you say get some professional help on this one, because every time you've brought up the term backdoor Roth on this show, it makes me think of just one thing, which is a story my wife tells. She's a physician about having a patient who was not English speaking. And fortunately, my wife speaks actually pretty good Spanish. But the difficulty is that there are many terms that you just don't learn in conversational Spanish that you need as a physician. And she was trying to explain to her patient that she had to perform a rectal exam and she was struggling to get the words across. Suddenly light dawned on the patient. He said, ah, see, sí, a la backdoor. And I didn't know that was a term, but I think of that every time you talk about a backdoor Roth Man. and it just immediately sets me into a panic of this is something that I do not understand. I need help with. I am never going to try and do anything having to do with this myself. The a la backdoor. Matt, why do you have to bring that up on the show? Now, all the listeners, now we can never use the backdoor Roth anymore. <laughs> I had a nice pretty picture of a nice house with a picket fence. And instead of walking in the front door, you have to walk around the back end of the back door. And you just totally ruined it for me. Bring it up with Congress. <laughs> There's also the All other right. reason that you don't want to do this is because do you know there are pro rata rules? Yet another terminology that you're going to be shaking your head at. There are pro rata rules about when and how you can do backdoor Roth IRA contributions, etc. Now, we do have a show on this. Go back and listen to that. But even then, get in touch or use some professional resources to help you out doing this one. Yeah. And the use of that show in all seriousness is not to explain how to do this in detail. It's so that you know the landscape of questions to ask, issues that are going to come up. It puts you in a good position to have a conversation with a financial advisor. Yep. So I definitely agree. Talk to someone, get the help, but it, it's a good primer for what you're going to need to cover going in yeah. there. All right. As, you're, as um, you're interviewing financial advisors, ask them, do you know the pro rata rules for the backdoor Roth IRA? And that, that'll be a good one. <laughs> That would be a good one. Or what's the first thing you think of when I say a la backdoor? All right. What's number six? <laughs> number six, bonuses are taxed at high rates or low rates. So one, one or two, you're like, my, my bonus was either taxed appropriately or wasn't taxed appropriately or it's taxed at all. Okay. Bonuses are just income. All right. So first of all, your bonus is just an income. All right. So when you go and file taxes, it's just more income as if they had paid it out throughout the entire year. So it's no different. Okay. But the other thing that's going to get you on this 
is that your bonus, when it's paid to you in that month, is taxed at a different rate than the rest of your salary. Okay? So two things to think about. One, understand that when you have income, say I'm making 150,000 and I get a $30,000 bonus. My income is 180,000. I owe taxes on 180,000 of just income, all right? During the year, my employer is taking out income. I mean, taking out taxes, taking out taxes to pay them, right? Throughout the year. Withholding. That has nothing to do with how much I might owe. Hopefully it's close, right? right? Okay, hopefully it's close. But what I owe is based on 180,000. What they took out is what they withheld. So don't confuse them and say, oh, I'm all fine. I got paid a bonus, but they took out some taxes. I'm all fine <laughs> or the other way around. So just be careful when it comes to bonuses. Is there a way up front to, it's a bonus. It's supposed to be a bonus, but I work, I have worked for a company where after a couple of years, you do get a sense if it's yep. the kind of company that pays bonuses of like, maybe I should factor that in. So is this the kind of thing where if year after year, there's a good likelihood that you're going to get a bonus. Do you want to increase your withholding in anticipation? Yes. Yeah. Two happening? things you could do. You could either increase withholding. That means that the company will withhold or pay more taxes for you throughout the year. So you realize, oh, I just took this new job and I got a nice bonus and then I owed 5,000 in taxes and I didn't owe taxes before. So maybe increase and have them withhold that extra 5,000 throughout the year. The other thing you can do is make an estimated payment when you get your bonus. Okay, so some sales based on commissions, they get large lumpy checks when they make a sale. And so that's like a bonus. And so you can make estimated payments right then and there. But remember that bonuses are taxed currently at a 22% rate, okay, flat rate, all right? Whereas the rest of your salary, they calculate, oh, you make 150,000, here's how much we're gonna withhold because it's a progressive tax rate. Bonuses are just withheld at 22%. If you make 500,000, okay, you're in the 37% tax bracket and your bonus only got withheld at 22%, you're gonna owe 10,000 bucks, whatever, 20,000 right. bucks, you know, you're gonna owe a lot more. So just be aware of that. Or would it, and just one more on this, then we'll move on. But would it conversely, instead of increasing your withholding, would it be equally reasonable to say, I'm not going to increase my withholding. What I'm going to do instead is make sure that I'm specifically planning for the fact that I'm going to have this tax hit coming because I'm under withheld. I'm going to invest a portion of money and I'm just going to take advantage of the float, essentially, of the fact that I get throughout the year to invest this portion of money, get a return on it, and I'll end up ahead, even though I'm going to have to pay the, the you know, the Yeah, as long as you invest it in something that's going way up in, in price and you take advantage of that float. No, actually, you can do that, okay? But be aware, Matt, that you're supposed to pay taxes as you earn the money, and the IRS will penalize you if you get a bonus in like June, and then you don't pay any extra tax. If you get... You're, if you get a bonus in June and you don't pay it all the way until next April, you could have a penalty for that. I see. I see. Okay. Another Cause, cause one where- Your company's reporting that they paid a bonus to you and they withheld some taxes from it. So the IRS is, hey, you had that for nine months. So this is true for self-employed people. No, that's why you make quarterly estimated payments because you have to pay as you're making the money. You can't just hold it all. Okay. All right. Let's go on. What's, uh, what's number so Speaking seven? of taxes and payments- this mistake I run across, oh yeah, cool. I'm just gonna file an extension and do my taxes and pay what I owe later in the year. The IRS is onto this. You can't just file an extension and pay later. You can file an extension, but you still pay now, okay? 
So don't mess that one up. If you're going to file an extension, which more and more people are doing, because honestly, it's taxes have always been complicated, but they're getting more complicated. And I find that the statements are coming later and later. You used to get them like January, February. Now it's like throughout March, you're getting your statements and you got to file your taxes by April. So a lot of people file an extension. CPAs are super busy. The accountants doing all this stuff are super busy. But don't make the mistake. You have to still pay what you owe at that April deadline, all right? even mm. if you're filing an extension. And then you're like, but if, how do I know what I owe unless I file my taxes? This is a very natural question. I had this question too. It's like, but how do you do that? What happens is you just do a preliminary estimate. You take your W-2, basically your income, and you just do a quick estimate. This is what accountants do. They'll spend an hour or two instead of four or five hours. So they'll do the quick major data entry, your salary, bonuses, right? Stuff like that. And say, here's what we think you're going to owe. Make a payment if you're short. And then we'll actually do the full analysis and full stuff mm. by October. Got it. All right. That's that's a good one. I, it, again, goes under the category of maybe get a little bit of expert help on some of these things before you attempt them yourself. And that's actually a good segue to the last one Wait, you planned for. Although Did you read ahead? You read ahead of the notes, Matt. Yeah, I read. I just, I read ahead there. <laughs> yeah. So number eight, the, you know, the thinking that you can do your taxes yourself. Now, this may be true. And I do have clients that do their taxes themselves. Although, to be honest, I review all the taxes and I still find stuff. Okay, we were talking about that earlier in the show. So you could do your taxes yourself if you have like just ordinary, like a W-2 job and maybe a couple other small things, a couple of kids, but just W-2 jobs and that's about it. But now you've got bonus income, you've got some RSUs and options, you got a vacation rental, you rent it out, vacation home that you sometimes rent out. Um, you got a side hustle. One of you is thinking about self-employed. One of you has a W-2 job. This stuff is not easy anymore, okay? Yeah. And you got different, and you have different accounts because we all know we got all those multiple accounts and investments. And so hiring a CPA, hiring an accountant is a pain in the butt. And they do cost some money, but trust me, they're going to save you a lot of headaches and time. So that is a recommendation I often give is you could do it yourself if you have some help. So again, my, some of my clients do their own taxes, but I'm helping them. And trust me, I'm looking at TurboTax screens and helping them click the buttons and all that. Otherwise, if you're on your own, hire a CPA, hire an accountant to help you out. I do remember a point in my life where a friend of mine pinched the bridge of his nose and said, Matt, you are old enough. You have reached a point in your life cycle where it's time. Let me introduce you to my accountant. As a matter of fact, my Christmas present to you is I will help you pay for this. You just, you need to do this. Otherwise, you're going to screw up your life. And it was good advice. It was really good advice, like you're dishing out here. All right, look, we did your planned eight. We threw in a bonus nine. Yep. And now we're going to deliver the audience the number 10. It's the homework that I gave you and that you teased earlier in the show. Outside the financial planning realm, in the life plan part, what's what's the number one mistake that people fall into and what's the easy fix? You said it has to do with manufacturing time somehow. Yes. All right. You can create more time for yourself. I think the number one thing that I run across is that I work with a lot of busy parents, all right? And you know this, Matt, I know this. What are our kids doing all week? They're in school, so that's nice. We can get some stuff done. But then it's practice this, going to this, driving to that, picking up this thing, all the kinds of activities. They're in doing activities, so you're driving them to activities, enjoying activities, hopefully. But it's busy, man. It's super busy. So how can we get more time 
in your life. And I'll tell you how. You need to put the phone away for a small amount of time. All right, now don't run it. Don't turn it off right away. Hold on a sec. I know you're addicted to your phone. I'm addicted to my phone. But here's you're what probably listening to the show on your phone. So probably listening to the phone, but it's in their right pocket, now. hopefully. <laughs> give it like three more minutes. So put your phone away at certain times. I'll give you some recommended times to consider. One, dinner time with your family. Get all the devices down away and work on just being present. Have the conversation. Hey, you know, what's going on? Be present. Have a conversation. Dinner time's a great one. The morning's another great one. Do not sleep. First, don't sleep with your phone in your room, okay? Get the phone out of your room. Buy an alarm clock. They're like 10 bucks. <laughs> That's the number one thing. It's like, I have my alarm on my phone, so I can't. Oh, come on, guys, please. Okay, don't sleep with the phone in your room, okay? And in the morning, don't look at your phone. I challenge you. Don't look at your phone first thing in the morning. Leave it there. And get up with your kids, eat some breakfast, joke around, help them get ready. Just be there. Read the paper while they're coming. That's what I do. Like my kids are coming in and out, getting ready for school. I'm there. We'll have some conversation, but I'll read the paper in between. Don't pick up your phone. Okay. And then the third tip, you could do it in the evening as well. Same idea. Okay. Get the phone out of the bedroom. And this, I guarantee you this, do this for a week. And at the end of the week, reflect, how did I feel? And you will find, wow, I have more time in my life, more time. I like it. I think we've come to use the phone to fill up the interstitial spaces of life. You're in the checkout line at the grocery store. You're, and it's the itch. And everyone knows what I'm talking about. The itch you develop when it's, I've got 15 spare seconds. What do I do to fill that time? How about this? Fucking nothing. Yes. Try that. Thank you. Um, hey, yes. can I give you mine? Because we're on the way out. We've covered our 10. This is our top 10 yeah. list. I'm going to give you mine. I'm going right. to give you on the way out. Number one life mistake that I see people making, you and I were talking off air about this, is as you think to yourself, whatever it is you're doing, it's, you know what, when this stops being fun, I'm going to stop doing it. Like when this is no longer working for me, I'm going to stop. And the right answer is stop while it's fun. Always leave a party while you're having a good time. My kids have heard me say this about 50 billion times. It is amazing. This is the number one thing I learned in college is psychologically, when diminishing marginal returns set in, it colors your psychological evaluation of an experience. And this has actually been proved by behavioral economists, including Daniel Kahneman, who did this experiment using colonoscopies. I won't get into the, we've already had enough discussion on that general theme in this show. I'm not gonna get further into that. But this has been rigorously proven that as soon as you begin to, at the very tail end of an experience, as soon as you begin to experience something negative, then, your feeling about the experience gets much worse. And then your psychological enjoyment of it goes way, way down. And the best, the easiest hack for this is leave a party while you're having a good time. And what you'll find is the way you think about that experience gets 20% better. The, your feeling of enjoyment and satisfaction and happiness with the activities in your life will go up because they'll all be like, wow, I, oh, I enjoyed that and I enjoyed that. And it's like, just a cavalcade of fun. And you'll, most of all, and comedians know this, it's the always leave them wanting more principle. You'll want to do that thing again, unless it's your workout where you actually do have to keep going. <laughs> Get to the to end. Hurt. 
always leave a party while you're having a good time. That's my number one piece. And you'll end up with a cavalcade of fun. So if you didn't understand all the diminishing returns and all the other stuff that was coming out of Matt's mouth, cavalcade (laughs) of fun. Cavalcade. Well, you know what? This show with you has been a cavalcade of fun. And uh, I I don't need to sneak that in the back door. Hey, we're going to wrap. For Mike Morton, I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.